Virginia isn't for one type of person. Virginia is for road trippers. Are we there yetters? Mountain hikers and dock sitters because they're not active hikers. People who are kayakers. People who are not kayakers. Campsite campers and horseback riders. Wow, there's a lot to fit in here. Flatwater lovers, beach sun tanners, hole-in-the-earth explorers, and Shenandoah valiers. Should I keep going here? Well, you get the idea. Because Virginia is for all sorts of lovers. So come love it for yourself. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hey, this is Steve Sharippa. You're listening to Jim and Florence on the forum. And make sure you listen. Hi, everyone. This is James Patrick, and we are just really enjoying our time off. And I know I've been away a little bit, but boy, we really appreciate all the fans and everyone that has stuck by us. We just got more Indian. If you could believe it, in India and Asia, we are blowing up. And even on vacation, we reached 6 million people on our social media accounts for the week. So Florence and I are just, we're so blessed by you guys. You guys are so amazing. So thank you all. And for all our good news, yes, we're uh, finally going to tie that knot. So we got a lot of things going on. So I'm really excited. And Florence, boy, it's been an incredible three weeks for us. And, and uh, now getting back into the game, it's going to be even more incredible. Why don't you introduce our amazing guest? Yes, his fans are so looking forward to this, just as you and I are, Jim. We have the iconic wrestler and number one New York Times bestselling author, and in a very accomplished and sought-off actor as well, we have Mr. Mick Foley with us on the forum. Hi, Mick. Nice to meet you. Well, uh, thank you. It's nice to meet both of you. I believe this is the second time that we're trying this, through no fault of yours. It didn't happen the first time. Oh, but, Mick. Uh, That's okay. Our fa- I have to be honest, Mick, out of all the guests we've ever had, and we just did a couple of Sopranos actors we've been really lucky to get have come on, and we have been divulged with so many questions. You are the number one question guy. We have so many questions that wow. people have of yours. So we have a lot of fans that are going to be very excited. And we have some from, actually, I have two from Japan. So nice. we're, we're going global. But, but anyway, Mick, I first wanted to start... I loved what you said about Herb Abrams and we are obviously with the specials that, uh, that occurred with the dark side of the ring with wrestling, the guys did a good job. I don't think they went in it as in depth because they didn't have enough time after that episode with Herb Abrams, it was either a hate or love. It was like a, everyone was saying what an idiot the wrestlers were to, follow him and then others were saying you know what this guy really was a good guy he and he really was so excited and his enthusiasm was so infectious in real life because you did know him somewhat what kind of a guy was he was he kind of that just psycho had all this all these issues or was that just kind of a, a part of his personality that rarely saw first of all i apologize uh, cough came out of nowhere oh no problem tickle in the throat 
I, you know, I hope it came across that uh, uh, I think most of us really liked Herb. Like, even when he was bouncing checks, it was hard to stay angry at him. Mm-hmm. Um, you would get angry, but it'd be really difficult to stay angry. I can tell you that, uh, you know, my wife really liked Herb. Like, she, she was on, she identified him as a guy with a, you know, with a, with a substance problem pretty quickly. Yeah. You know? Uh, my wife is five years older than me, and uh, she, you know, she'd been around uh, uh, the New York club scene when she was younger, and she was like, "Well, he's got a cocaine problem." I was like, "How can you?" She knew, you know, she knew right away. Yeah. I had, I had no idea. I was kind of naive to that stuff, but she thought he was a genuinely nice man. I, I really liked working for him. I mean, he could, he, he could aggravate me sometimes, but uh, I, I wrote about this in my first book. In my 1999 book, I said, uh, you know, when I read about Herb's death, I went, oh, my God, Colette. You know, my, my wife says, Colette, Herb Abrams just died. And my wife's, you know, obviously very concerned, upset. She said, what happened? And I started reading, you know, the circumstances surrounding his death. And I couldn't make it through reading without laughing because the circumstances were so ridiculous, you know? Yeah. You know, he's found naked, lathered in baby oil. Uh, you know, not that there's anything funny about chasing <laughs> yeah. around, around an office building with a baseball bat, but just, it was just so outlandish that I couldn't stop, you know, I couldn't stop myself from laughing. And I thought that's not an insult to her, but I think he would have liked to have, known he was entertaining us until the end yeah i remember b i think it was b brian blair he said uh he died doing what he loved doing cocaine and chasing hookers <laughs> yeah that's it uh, yeah <laughs> but uh, I, I did see the recent episode of you guys and i forget exactly what podcast it was where you guys had you have a friend that made some cookies and you guys did some cookies uh, ate some milk and cookies uh, in his honor, and I they thought weren't that just that... cookies. They weren't just cookies. They were Herbie cookies. That's right, Herbie cookies. Uh, so uh... my friend Marge, uh, oh, she's the Van Gogh of of uh, <laughs> cake and cookie art, culinary art, and she made these amazing cookies. I mean, she even had like the chest hair. It was like gingerbread <laughs> cookie, chest hair, even the, uh, the the fade, like the blonde fade and the receding hairline. Yeah, uh, yellow ostrich skin boots, and then she made separate. <laughs> speaking of speaking of uh, laughing, she you know she made separate UFC uh, title belt cookies, ostrich skin book <laughs> cookies, uh, and then the one of the big pops is where Sunny Beach. You know, Sunny was very close to her, so mm-hmm. he was pretty choked up talking about him and talks about how he had um, adopted Herb's dog upon mm-hmm. Herb's death. And they said, what was the name of the dog? And as soon as he said, Cokie. Like, <laughs> who names their dog after their favorite drug? <laughs> oh, Cokie. my God. Dog named Cokie. Uh, so, yeah, we did toast Herb Abrams, uh, you know, and hopefully the fondness we uh, felt for Herb showed uh, shown through in that uh, podcast now my rep i'll have to say you're my favorite right now you are tied with uh bruiser brody and i loved your comments in the bruiser brody special what were your feelings uh about bruiser brody and his style because i had some japanese i have a medical business and i had some japanese uh patients that were huge 
fans of wrestling and they actually saw him pl- uh, wrestle and they said the he said the the highlight of his wrestling career was to get hit by the chain when he would come out with in the immigrant song uh, in Japan. What was the exact things that really got you? Was it his style, just his his maniacal way, especially of being Hill? What what really attracted you to br- being such a fan of Bruiser Brody? Oh, wow. Well, I saw in Brody exactly what I wanted to try to do. Uh, you know, I love those matches that were full of mayhem. And but long before there was an MMA at a UFC, I liked the type of things that you could look at your friends and go, I, I think that may have been real. Like a lot of what I chose to do was based around trying to get friends around the world, around the country, around the world to turn to their friends and go, all right, I know most of that wrestling is what, I, but I think that was real. Or at the very least, I think, you know, the, the impact or the fall or the pain, I think that was real. I knew I was 6'4", 220 when I broke into wrestling. My first match was 6'4", 220. I, I, I wasn't physically imposing enough to brawl like Brody. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other favorite uh, wrestler was, uh, I, this is post-Jimmy Snuka. I love Jimmy Snuka. Mm-hmm. I think the reason I got into wrestling. But once I was in, it became uh, Bruiser Brody and Dynamite Kid. Oh, God. Icon. That, yeah. Yeah. And my kid was an amazing uh, flying wrestler, technical wrestler, uh, strong style wrestler, as we say now. Mm-hmm. I thought, I can't brawl like Brody. I can't do any of the things like Tommy. I can't do them as well. But if I can take aspects of Brody's brawling style and mix it in, combine it with Tommy Dynamite Kid Billington's uh, mm-hmm. his uh uh, ability to launch his own body as a weapon i thought if i can put my own twist on those two styles combine them you know i may be on, be on to something and as i progressed i bar- borrowed liberally from uh the library of terry funk yeah uh you know randy savage guys that i saw that i you know at certain points tried to emulate and somehow it came you know it, it, by putting my own stamp on it it came out as a unique uh style now the complaint of today obviously with uh, WWE and some of the other companies that the wrestlers don't have as much say in their characters even in their promos back then when the heyday when you were really going great uh, my my first love of you was when you attacked Sting uh, and uh, as Cactus Jack I think it was in the uh, 91 and I just I just fell in love with Cactus Jack I just thought man what an amazing character was did you have so much more leeway back then or did they let you be who you w- wanted to be and who you were or was there also a little bit of control as well oh wow when i uh you know i had two runs in wcw as cactus jack <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh first was from uh i think november of 89 through uh june of 1990 and then I came back and I was like, I was Cactus Jack. I dropped the Manson name on my own because I didn't yep. think I needed it and I didn't want it. Um, and I think my wife probably deserves a lot of credit for making me believe that I was capable of more than I had already done. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, I had really learned how to visualize not just what I wanted to do in the ring but what I wanted to bring to life in promos and so uh I I showed up at uh CNN Center Uh, I'd never gone to CNN Center in my first run because I wasn't a big enough star to cut 
local promos. That's where they mm-hmm. would say, okay, you got 30 seconds, Montgomery, Alabama, two weeks from today, go. So you, nobody was scripting anything because you might show up and do 50 promos. And instead of just having the same promo and altering the dates, the times, and the cities, I would try to have a different story to tell for each uh, promo I did. I'm not saying all of them were completely different, but a lot of them were different. And it's just that constant repetition, that muscle memory process that today's superstars don't have the benefit of. So, you know, literally you were learning to think, uh, not literally, but you were learning to think, I think literally you're learning to think on your feet and things are coming to you where you can cut promos on a moment's notice, especially if somebody fires up a promo on you because it's unscripted, then your reaction is unscripted and therefore more real. I'm not saying there were, there were many, many times where promos were awful. I mean, I like to think that not many of mine were, but there were a lot of, Hey daddy, let me tell you something, brother. (laughs) You know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of cliches being thrown around. Um, But you know, I, I, what I have said in the past is that, uh, you know, you, you know, there's an element of magic that's either there or it's not. Uh, I, I still believe American baseball is the best, uh, you know, metaphor for life. True. And so I believe, you know, by scripting the promos, you eliminate the strikeouts. You know, you mm-hmm. greatly cut down on the strikeouts. But those moments where you just hit the ball out of the park and watch it sail are, are much fewer and further between because uh, you're not, creating as much as you are you know um uh, uh perform I, I don't know you're not you know you're not creating as much as you are uh, re- rehashing yeah and that's so i i urge today's superstars like look i say nobody that i know of has an academy award on their mantle for a role <laughs> they wrote stallone came close if i'm wrong i'm wrong there may be one or two in the history of the academy of motion pictures mm-hmm. arts and sciences but they're all given to people who embrace the roles you know in some ways you know inhabit the roles so if it is what it is as far as scripted promos uh you need to find a way to make them as legitimate as you can yeah i think i think i was always a heel guy i loved mr perfect uh macho man half of macho man's promos i have no idea what he was talking about but i was in (laughs) i was like god whatever he's saying i believe and i think that's what i miss is that believability when stone cold got his final character and he became stone cold steve austin boy he i just thought this guy could kick the crap out of anybody he's just so awesome and i think that's what i miss is the storytelling I miss the in-ring storytelling. Uh, I loved Cactus Jack's psychotic, you know, just that maniacal smile and the evil, like you were just having a good time, but you're destroying people. I just love that stuff. And I really miss it in today's uh, wrestling. And I know everything changes and all that stuff, but I really do miss these, the pro, the great promos and great characters. Rick Rude, I used to love his, his promos and just his, just sheer arrogance. It was just, and Bobby Heenan, who I got to know a little bit, he was he was always really fun. So I really miss that. But when when we go back and you look at your characters, and obviously you became uh, you were great at WCW, you were and you became an iconic figure at WWE. 
when when did you really first realize that man i got something in this because you really paid your dues what was yeah. the first match that you felt you know i i am i'm good I, i'm gonna make it uh, or was it did it just really eventually come or was there anything that hit you that really said wow i belong well i'm gonna answer that but first i'm gonna <clears throat> i'm gonna give what might seem like a blatant self-promotional plug mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's a there's a purpose behind it besides sure. promoting myself and then i'll address that they kind of they kind of bleed into each other uh i've been really fortunate during this pandemic to have had the cameo videos kind of fall into my lap mm-hmm. and my daughter can vouch for me i have a room i go to and she'll hear me doing my cameo videos where i will give people mankind uh or i call it <laughs> guy wearing a cheap rubber mask from amazon because i don't own the rights to that name yep i'll give people mankind i'll give people dude love and i love doing it but i can do caricatures of those two characters but Mm -hmm. i'll tell people i can't do cactus jack because to really do justice to cactus jack i would have to there's a depth of character there and digging down deep that i can't do anymore because those promos when i was cactus jack were really raw and very real and the crazy thing is like if you go back to one specific day and this is in answering your question i think there's always little steps you know it's mm-hmm. it's not one giant leap although i can as i even as i say giant there's no one giant leap i can pinpoint one giant leap but i'm going to tell you that uh, going to tell you that um there were three promos i cut in one afternoon uh, in the basement of the cameraman's house uh, when I worked for ECW. Mm-hmm. And my children were very young. I think they were three and one or four and two. And I dropped them off at a park. I went to cut my promos, cut three of the best promos I've ever cut in my life, including the uh, Kane Dewey promo, which is coming <laughs> up on its 25th year anniversary. Yep. And then I I was able to pick them up and I was like completely at ease because getting very real like uh, frustration and anger off my chest was very therapeutic. I think people Mm -hmm. pay top dollar, you know, to have the type of uh, outlet that I had for free that I got paid for. So uh, when I talk about a giant leap, it was the moment working for Herb Abrams that I no longer felt foolish doing backstage promos. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to flip the switch when you have a live crowd. Yeah, it's more difficult when you're in front of a cameraman and a sound guy who have seen it all. Like they have literally done. You know, go to <laughs> Center Stage, for example. Uh, not Center Stage, CNN Center. And these guys are hearing 500 interviews a week, week in and week out. So they've literally heard tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of wrestling promos, mm-hmm. and you can sense the boredom. And once I realized I could flip that switch backstage, everything changed for me. So that was one dramatic moment. Uh, finding a booker in Eric Embry who embraced oh, you know, yeah. me and the character when I went to Texas, that was really important. And then, uh, like I said, my wife had a real positive effect on the Cactus Jack character. And when I did my series of matches with Eddie Gilbert, in uh, 1991 and was able to become a bigger uh, player in wrestling without benefit of TV. So I, yeah. uh, you know, I was able to become more valuable to the wrestling business 
when I went independent and that was unusual and uh, it was really rewarding and uh, paid off for me because when I came back to WCW in 1991, I was able to cut promos and strike fear into the hearts of men, women, and children. Yeah, and it was fun. We loved it. Uh, my mom didn't love it. But my mom says, why do you got always got to like the bad guys? So, uh, But I loved Jake Roberts. I loved you. I loved uh, the, the more evil, uh, the better. So th- that was fantastic. Now, we're talking again, and I'm going to brag a little bit, Mick. We have been promoting your cameo to various uh, – websites that we belong to and also our twitter page so we are going to continue to do that we are obviously online marketers and we love mick and and so you're going to see a lot of his cameos on and boy i'm telling you his cameo is so popular and it is so good go on to cameo in fact monday when we release this go on the links and they'll give you actually some of the calls that he has done it's absolutely amazing stop spending money on 30 dollar mulan disney movies good lord go to <laughs> go to cameo and use your money to talk to an icon like mick mick you were trending Cobra Kai, which is a huge, uh, has become a huge show that is a show that kind of followed the Karate Kid story. Cobra Kai star Paul Walter Hauser said that his character, Stingray's father, if it is ever on the show, it has to be WWE legend (laughs) Mick Foley. That is his choice. We are going to start a groundswell of getting Mick. And Mick, I'm going to take 5%. Uh, but, but we are going to do a groundswell of you being the Stingray's father in Cobra Kai, Paul Walter Hauser. We, uh, what, that must make you feel good. No, I, I have, the reason uh, I, uh, I, reached, I, I put out a tweet saying I'm a Stingray guy. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I just uh, tagged in Paul because I'd heard he was a big wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. So somebody had told me that. I started watching Cobra Kai. And I was hooked. I think I it's good. put out a tweet about, oh, it's, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not really prone to hyperbole, but I mm-hmm. think it's the best show. Don't tell my mom. If she finds out Outlander's not my favorite show, oh, break boy. her heart. I love <laughs> Outlander. And yeah. it, it's been amazing bonding with my mom over that show. But as soon as I, I'd heard great things about it, but it was, mm-hmm. uh, and I, the thing is, I would see Ralph Macchio and, and, and Billy Zabka at comic conventions. And it was probably two years ago, maybe three years ago, that I'm, we're driving back. We're in the same van. It's me, Ray Mysterio, Ralph Macchio, and uh, Cindy and Bobby Brady. Uh, oh, my Brady. God. You never know who you're going to wind up with. On the way there, it was Beverly D'Angelo, who is mm-hmm. literally my favorite actress, Uh and there's a great story there, uh, but I don't think we have time for that one. But uh, Ralph was telling me about this thing they were shooting. And I it's like, and he was like, you know, they're, they're grown up. They're in their 50s. They're dealing with regular problems. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this sounds good. And then I would hear the buzz about it. But I'm not technologically proficient. I don't even know what YouTube Plus is or how to get it. So when I saw it pop up on Netflix, I thought, well, let me give this a try. And after two episodes, I sent a tweet saying, um, where might one go to get treated for a Cobra? 
Kai addiction. Oh I, boy. I think I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah. And uh and as the show progressed, uh I'm uh, I'm renting a house uh in Florida with my daughter. Because mm-hmm. My wife uh my wife has a couple of underlying conditions. Uh she's very very cautious about uh coronavirus. Sure. So uh when we go over there we have to mask up. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that's not a situation you can maintain. So we're renting a house. And I was like, hey, you want to watch Cobra Kai? And so uh, we watched my daughter. Keep in mind, for some reason, I think I was a failing as a parent. Never (laughs) saw the original Karate Kid. Oh, man. Oh, she said she saw it. She can't remember it. (laughs) Uh, but nonetheless she watched every episode and her boyfriend came over and uh, we watched all of season two I even went out and bought a a case or a 12 pack of Coors Banquet beers for the finale oh boy wow Uh, and and I rarely curse no no you can vouch for me right rarely curse and I know ASS is one of those borderline words yeah I said that a bunch of times on uh on um you know on wrestling over the years um and I've said the word from time to time but never as much as I've said it in the last two weeks because everything that the Johnny Lawrence Johnny Lawrence is you know he's really intent on everything being kicked you know, blank, bad. Oh, yeah. And so uh, I'm letting those words fly in a way I never have in my life. So I wow. love the show. And to hear that <laughs> I'm stressing because of it, that's, that's cool. Oh, we're doing a groundswell. It has to happen uh, because I think that you would bring a lot to it. And you have, you've done so many different things. I was telling Florence, look, you've done game shows. You've done, uh, you did a, a DJ uh, for, I think it was Bruce Springsteen in a, in a radio yeah. show. You, you've done so so much amazing things and i love your uh presence and uh we have a couple more questions we're talking to great mick foley uh mick what is your what is your big accomplishment obviously your family we we fell in love with your wife colette and your family with uh, beyond the mat with uh her what a great family you have and uh, we're so happy for their success when did you what is your kind of accomplishments outside your family that it may not be famous. It may not, could it be you're writing a book or something like that? What are your, what are a couple of your accomplishments that deep down inside you're really, they're really special to you? Well, you know, writing the first book was a really big deal because at the time I wrote it, I'm not saying the idea of uh, an athlete or an actor actually writing their own book was unheard of, but it was really rare. Um, it's rare to the point where when I told Judith Regan I wanted to write the book myself, I didn't think the ghostwriter was doing a great job. Like mm-hmm. I was met with, uh, you know, silence that was deafening. I think by, you know, putting and not, I wasn't computer literate and I had 50 days to meet the deadline. Uh, they wanted a 60,000 word book. Mm. I gave them 180,000 words handwritten in 50 days. Yeah. And I think doing things like that just showed people like, hey, if he can do it, so can I. And I think in the same way, uh, it's the same way with wrestling that I was seen as a guy who wasn't either big enough or athletic enough. Mm -hmm. Like in Japan, you had to be a Brody or a flyer. That was what it was said. I remember one of the promoters in Japan telling me there's, you know, there's really not a market for what you do. You're not big enough and you're not athletic enough. And I found a way to make a character work. And I think that guys saw the success I had, especially when I got to WWE, where I was not thought to be a WWE guy at all. Mm-hmm. And I think I gave some hope to guys who didn't have a phenomenal genetic hand to play <laughs> yeah. with. 
I think I think you did. And and segueing that as we segue in a genius way, obviously your friend Ron Fuller, he has a great book that's out, Ron Fuller Welch, Brutus. And we were laughing because we did a podcast the other day with Ron that a tiger was actually seen in Knoxville, Tennessee, and it was seen, and they still haven't caught it, and they don't know what happened to it, and if it goes into the rock, I told I told Ron, the best thing that could happen to you is if it goes into the Smoky Mountains and never is found. I said, that could be the best thing, so, and Ron, please get his book as well as we do a shameless plug, uh, Brutus, as we've been marketing that as well. Ron is such a good friend, and we, and we love him to death, but last question, I don't want to take too much of your time, Mick. What well, do you let's, have? Let, go ahead. Talk about Ron's book for oh, a second. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, uh, you know, Robert was a mentor for me in uh, 1988 and 89 when I worked with him in uh, Memphis, and then uh, when Ronald, when Rob was the Booker. So mm-hmm. I, I, Ron doesn't think we've ever met. I think we met once. So, uh, but it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But when Robert told me, uh, you know, Jacko, I love, I can't do justice to Rob's voice. You know, you know <laughs> yeah, I know he's got that great voice. Yeah. Uh, and he told me his brother had a book. Was wondering if I could take a look at it. I thought it was going to be a memoir. And I thought, well, you know, third generation wrestler promoter is probably going to be a good book. So when it arrived, and it was a novel. Uh, I was kind of surprised. You know, I don't read many novels anymore. Yeah. Unfortunately, I started reading them cynically when I became a writer. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I found I could only really enjoy the works of authors who had praised me for my writing. <laughs> Otherwise, I was like, but you call this good writing? Up yeah. like, you don't know anything about prose, you know? So, uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't read novels like I used to. One time I was a really enthusiastic reader of novels. Uh, but once I got into the book, I was like, whoa, this guy knows how to create characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about Ron. And so yeah. he obviously has a, you know, you can tell what, people what the plot is in one sentence yeah. and it's a great plot lion, biggest lion in the known in captivity gets, gets loose in the smoky mountains yeah. uh, that's a cool plot uh, but it's the characters that Ron creates surrounding the plot that make it work. So uh, I, yeah, I suggest people go out there. I think it would make a great movie. Uh, I know Ron said uh, one reviewer had, you know, compared it favorably to Jaws. That was me. That was you. Yeah. 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 Florence and I did a review and now everyone's taking it. So, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, and what's funny is Jim Cornette and, and thank you, Jim as well. He obviously loves you, but Jim gave us some really great plugs and thank you so much, Jim. You're, you're very kind, even though a lot of people don't think that you were very kind to me and to Florence. So we appreciate it. But Jim had said, you know what? I, I'm not scared of Jaws. I don't go in the water. I'm scared of Brutus because he, I'm on land. He can get me wherever I want, wherever he wants. So, uh, so, uh, so I thought that was really good. But Ron, great book. Uh, last question. I don't want to take too much of your time, uh, Mick. But uh, what are what are some of the things that you're upcoming? Obviously, COVID. You had a, your. I love on YouTube seeing that your comedy circuit where you're going out talking about your career. You're going on stage. Are there any dates that you have? I noticed you had some dates. Is it just kind of hopefully you're going to do them or what is your future plans, the near future for those dates? Yeah. Yeah. We had to cancel the uh, tour because of COVID. 
Mm. I just didn't want to be in a situation where, you know, I'm going from state to state, possibly picking it up and then becoming a spreader, especially during the, uh, during the meet and greets. Uh, yeah. yeah, I am keeping one show in Tampa because I can assure people that I'm COVID free um, going in and then I can get tested right afterwards. So if there is an issue, I can go, Hey guys, you know, and, and then encourage people to social distance and all that. But I'm going to get back out there next year. In the meantime, you know, it's really basically Cameo. Where are you going to, uh, do you have things in the works other than Cameo? Or are you just, you're just going to kind of, obviously you don't need the money, but do you have, do you have anything in the works in the future? Yeah, my daughter and I are talking about doing a show on Twitch together. Oh, uh, I, I was a guest on uh, Soraya, <laughs> no longer Paige, Soraya. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, this is one thing when he talks about speaking out. Um, I had heard that WWE was really cutting back on allowing their superstars to make money through third party channels like, like Cameo, like Twitch, like YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so I put out a statement on Twitter and I just said, you know, that strikes me as a crummy thing to do. I love mm -hmm. Vinnie Mac, but he's wrong on this one. And yeah. uh, and then Kevin Nash joined in, and Kevin and I, you know, said, you know, like Kevin had his reasons for saying, hey, if they're employees, then ask about your health benefits, you know, your profit sharing. If they're independent contractors, let them do what they want. And I think they reached a solution within two or three days. Okay, we'll let you do it, but you have to do it under your real name. So I'll say uh. it was Soraya. Soraya's show and uh and I really had fun she really stressed that it was a positive atmosphere people could relax you know you know you're you're enjoying a good conversation you're among friends and uh and and so Noelle and I have been talking about joining forces my daughter Noelle and I joining forces for a twitch show but uh I'm, I'm enjoying myself uh you know I'm, I'm really again really thankful to Cameo for giving me not only an outlet to make money, but an outlet to kind of bring caricatures of my characters mm -hmm. to life. And people really seem to enjoy it. And uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I want to see this, you know, pandemic come to an end as soon as sure. possible. And then I can worry about uh, my next steps. Last question, Mick, and I'll let you go. What What is your thoughts? Because I'm hearing, I think it's criminal that, that wrestlers don't have healthcare. I, I just, uh, you know, and you're not, you, you gotta, I know, I know what wrestlers are going to say, but I think it's absolutely criminal. Do, what do you think about this growing? A lot of actors have been talking about of lately of the wrestlers joining SAG. Do you think that that's something that you would be, that, what do you think the solution is? Because something has to happen. These guys, you can't control their lives or their livelihood yeah. and then say, oh, well, you're a private contractor. I have no control over you, but then you control everything they do. What do you think the solution is? Oh, the solution is, uh, well, SAG, I believe, combined with AFTRA. And if we don't fit the uh, definition of American Federation of Radio and Television Artists, logged more TV time than most, uh, most movie stars. Yeah. Um, what I'm told is that there's not enough of us to make it worth the fight for after, because there's not 20,000 actors or yeah. whatever the name is. There's maybe 200 wrestlers making a living. And I did talk, I mean, I talked to Eric Bischoff, who's a really knowledgeable guy, about the pros and cons of unionizing. And he said one thing people don't realize is that the guys, when I say the guys, I'm talking about the men and women collectively, 
they'd have to give up a lot of the things we do independent wise if we were part of a union because you know your shelf life as a wwe superstar is kind of limited yeah and then to do a show that wasn't you in the same way that sag frowns on actors uh doing non-union jobs uh you know we would be frowned upon for doing independent shows that didn't have union lighting union you know uh, (laughs) and then a lot of these shows, you know, they are run by the skin of their teeth. A guy, uh, guys turn profits by selling, you know, merchandise. Yeah. And so he said in trying to help the business, you might actually be hurting the business and depriving people of their chance to make a living. So mm-hmm. what I suggest that people do is as young as possible, get health insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, we're lucky that we are in an age where uh, you can get health insurance with pre-existing conditions. All of us who wrestle have pre-existing conditions and yeah. we'd be laughed at without, you know, uh, that special uh, plank in the healthcare platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, get your health care and keep it. Yeah. And also start contributing to your own uh, SEP IRA as young as possible Mm -hmm. because we would all like an insurance ferry to come in and uh you know take care of us and uh, a retirement ferry but until that happens you know it's upon it's on us to fund our own retirement and guys and women who happen to have a few big years they can really set themselves up for a pretty decent retirement but you have to stress how important it is and i think uh, part of the problem we have is that in our early 20s, especially people who gravitate towards wrestling, they don't believe in their own mortality yeah. and they're not thinking down the road. I would love, to, for the record, I would love to see WWE and AEW people become part of the AFTRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until that becomes a reality, I think we have to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Khan may be more into it. I don't know about Vinnie Mac. I don't think he's going to like it. Uh, Mr. McMahon, but uh, but boy, something has to happen because it's just, I hate seeing you guys give so much of yourselves and we're so appreciative. And I'm going to let Florence close this. Uh, Wait, but Oh, go ahead. I If I were Vince McMahon, I would take the initiative to make it happen before yeah. to make it happen. Why not? I mean, the company had a phenomenally successful quarter, found a way yeah. to have one of the best quarters in a, a huge economic downturn and a global pandemic. This is a great company. They've always found a way to stay ahead of the curve. Why not take the initiative and be the good guys instead of being seen as the guys who, uh, you know, went uh, down kicking and screaming to take care of their uh, employees? I I agree. Well, independent contractors. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But really in real life employees. But Mick, I'm going to ask you something off the air real quick, but I'm going to let Florence... uh, uh, close out the show. Thank you so much. You gave so much of your time. We, we, you know, we are just, we are going to be promoting so much of what Mick is doing, his cameo on Twitter. We're big Twitter people, as a lot of you know. We're going to be promoting his cameo. His cameo, please go on it. It is a one of the best cameos out there. We have a lot of great cameos that we've been supporting, but man, it is one of the great ones out there. So, but thank you so much, Mick. And Noel has done fantastic online. Please do that Twitch thing. That would be so great. And I hope the rest of your family does does well. Thank you so much. But I'll let Florence close it out. 
Well, this was huge, Jim. This was amazing. What a great interview. I know Mix fans are going to be so excited when we release this on Monday. And we definitely want to give another big thank you and a big shout out to Mick Foley and to Mix fans. And again, this is one they're not going to want to miss. Thank you to all the fans of the forum. You guys have been amazing. Thank you for all your support. And again, look out for this interview with the iconic and legendary Mick Foley on Monday. Take care, everyone. Be safe, wear your mask, and take care of each other. Bye. Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232.